Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Another London week upon us with the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams in town this weekend. We'll start to look forward to that just a little bit. We're going to look back on a week seven where Aaron Rodgers, is it finally working with the Matt LaFleur offence? We've still got two undefeated teams to talk about. And are the Dolphins actually not bad? This is the Gridiron Show. We'll undoubtedly talk about the Patriots' absolute whooping of the New York Jets on Monday Night Football last night uh, and their move to bring in Mohamed Sanu for a second-round pick from the Falcons, who at this point are uh, very much in rebuilding mode. Uh, You imagine that with these kind of moves happening, is Dan Quinn going to be around particularly long? Uh, We'll try and get into all of that as usual. It'll be the uh, the standard rambling mess uh, with myself and Matthew Sherry. Morning, Matt. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, pal. I'm all good. Uh, you know, the rest of the NFL might as well just give up after last night, right? I mean, it wasn't a good sign for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I really thought last night was going to be a game. I said that on the pod last uh, last week. I repeated it, it on radio on Sunday because you'd so talked <laughs> me into it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the signs were there. I'd, I think I'm just if it's possible underestimating just how good the New England defence is. I mean their secondary is is as good as any I've seen since since the Legion of Boom. And it might it might actually be deeper than the Legion of Boom. You know they they've got they go kind of four five deep at cornerback and even when passes are completed, they put completed with a guy right there. I mean, yeah, they're just they're just really, really good on defence. Yeah, not a bad football team right now. Uh, and it's interesting, somebody um, tweeted me on Sunday night asking about the MVP race after Russell Wilson's performance this week against the uh, Ravens and what I thought about Lamar Jackson. And, he, and one of the names he threw into the mix was Tom Brady. And, and the fact is, is that even though Tom Brady's not playing badly by any stretch of the imagination, this certainly isn't a vintage Brady season, considering that we're watching literally vintage Brady at this point. But uh, it's just it's just so unnecessary. You just we just shut teams out. We just you know, San Francisco are shutting teams out and losing and winning by nine, admittedly in ridiculous sloppy circumstances. The Patriots are going, yeah, we're just going to put 30, you know, 30 plus points on you and shut you out just just because. I, there was almost a feeling in that second half of, should there have been a bit of a mercy rule? But I don't think Bill Belichick will ever give mercy to the Jets. No, not remotely. I mean, there was a great period when there were 24-0 up, having created two turnovers, not three turnovers and given up zero points where Belichick decided that was the time to huddle the defence on the sideline and, and light into them a little bit, which was entertaining and, and kind of sums it up, really. They were just... I mean, from a Jets perspective, this was shocking. From an Adam Gase perspective in particular, I mean, the the story of the game was that... Um, that the Patriots spotted a weakness in in the Jets' protections and just exploited them all game, running you know lots of zero blitzes, which they do a lot of anyway. So it's not like that should have been a surprise. And and Darnold was just under fire the whole game. Um, not to say he played well. I mean, somebody needs to teach him not to throw the ball off his back foot, which led to every one of the interceptions. Um, but they're just really good, New England. And and, and Brady, it's interesting. I saw Sai Clancy who um. Sherman hasn't seen that much of Brady this season based on his tweet against the Giants saying Brady isn't playing well. He's playing really well. I mean, he, he, he actually he didn't play well against the Giants. I have to say, he no, had, he, that was no, his he, worst he never game. Played, 
But but Sai said he was playing badly all season, which is just nonsensical. I mean, he, he's he's playing really well. I mean, he doesn't. There's, there's no slippage to me. Um, the the offense he's behind hasn't been the most talented, largely due to injuries. Their offensive line's still a problem. It showed itself again last night, and and they, they desperately need Isaiah Win the first round pick to come back healthy in a couple of weeks because he looked really good in the first two weeks and and that helps. I mean, they missed David Andrews massively at centre. His athleticism, I think, is is an underrated part of that running game in particular. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, they're just... The, the, the offence needs to do so little and what we saw last night is when they return to that two-second quick-fire drop offence, they can still execute it perfectly and they did last night and it'll help with the, with the signing of Mohamed Sanu who is a guy they've loved for... A, a number of years. I mean, they've they tried to sign him when the Falcons got him. Adam Schefter said they've been trying to trade for him since the off-season. So clearly they think he is just the perfect guy for their system as well. And uh, and I think a big move because, you know, you're relying on Josh Gordon, which is never a position that you want to be in because of the history of his career. You, you never know when you're going to lose him again for the season. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think... I came into the season thinking they were the best team in football. I think the gap's closed because I think the Saints are as good as them. But those two teams, for me, are, are, are better than anybody else in the league by, by a reasonable margin. Horrendous disrespect to the San Francisco 49ers, but I'm sure we'll get into that in a short while. Uh, you mentioned the Mohamed Sanu trade. You've now got two wide receivers who are going to be able to throw trick plays uh, because, don't you know, they've played quarterback once in their life. Uh, Mohamed Sanu actually... Uh, an even better thrower than Julian Edelman so uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if that gets utilised at some point this year now he's come in and yet yeah, you kind of you look through what happened last night I saw a lot of calls on Twitter I, I missed a bulk of this game and I'm actually not disappointed I fell asleep on the sofa and I was like I woke up in the fourth quarter and thought to myself, I'm all right with not watching this back. I'll watch the highlights. But I did uh, kind of tap into Twitter during that fourth quarter. I saw a lot of uh, calls for why is Brady still in the game? Why are you still risking your starters? All that kind of thing. But I thought it was interesting is that they kept him in late. And what they did was went, right, we're keeping Brady in and we're going to target Jacoby Myers on like four of the next six throws. And we're going to get a rhythm there and we're going to get a relationship established there. And it's the way... We always talk about the Patriots using that first month of the season as like an extended preseason in a world where under the current CBA, you can't be practicing padded. You can't be doing as many hours of practice as you used to do. And I thought it was kind of fascinating to see whilst they still were willing to put the foot on the neck of the Jets. It was also that thing of, right, let's use this as a training exercise. Let's use this as a as a way of getting reps under the feet of these guys. So, yeah, all of that just yeah. adds up to it being more terrifying. They did a lot of that in the running game as well. You know, they had two tight ends on the field for lots of the game who had only been signed a week prior. So, in Ben Watson and uh, Tomlinson, a blocking tight end who used to play for the Jets. So, yeah, I mean, you can see that in games. Myers is actually becoming a really nice player. I mean, they targeted him on key spots, third downs, at different parts of the game, and, and he caught for virtually everything that came his way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it for the non-Patriots fans, but they're just really, really good. I mean, it's as good as any Patriots team. If they can get win back and the offensive line comes together, it's the best Patriots team I've ever seen. Wow. Um, a second, maybe a little rich for Mohamed Sanu. I mean, I say that in the context of, obviously, nobody's predicting that second is going to be any higher than, what, 62, if we're being harsh on yeah. the Patriots, probably. But, I don't know, when I saw second, I did think to myself, ooh, a second for Sanu, that feels a little rich. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it would be a third or fourth, but I mean, New England have mined that comp pick system so well that they're going to get a couple of thirds from that again. So I just don't think they see a big difference between 60 and 90. And I, I think most importantly, you know, this is a one I'm just refuse to criticise Belichick's moves at this point because he clearly knows more than we do. <laughs> but two, I mean... What? I refuse to accept that piece of analysis. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, how do you get annoyed when, when he's got the track record he has? But I think most importantly, you know, you judge these selections based on the team that they're going to. Sanu fits that offence perfectly. I mean, they can put him in the slot, which means they can put Edelman out wide, which creates matchup nightmares for teams. Um, he's a gro- he's a really good route runner. He's got great hands. I mean, he's just makes clearly see him as a as a perfect system fit. And I'm sure they could have got Emmanuel Sanders, who I've always wanted to see in that offense, and and personally think he's a better player. But Sanu's younger. He's on a contract that extends to next season as well. So I, mean, I think there's some longer term value in that as well. Right, let's go over the big storylines coming out of the weekend. And actually, I, I think we should start with. Uh, I think the NFC wildcard and playoff race is the most fascinating around at the moment. But I, I want to start actually with the Saints because you did mention that victory over the Bears. And I think there's an interesting talking point on both sides of this. From a Saints perspective, no Alvin Kamara, no Jared Cook, no Drew Brees. And this 36-25 victory over the Bears is horrendously flattering on Chicago after some fourth quarter serious hard garbage time points. Mitch Trubisky, they had nine drives that went under 10 yards in this game. And he looks absolutely lost. He's missing throws left, right and centre. And honestly, with the Bears' defence as good as it is, and enough pieces on the offensive side, they're not brilliant, the lines looked pretty poor this year, but enough pieces on the offensive side of the ball that a better quarterback could do something with them. I'm seriously considering, if I'm the Bears, looking around and saying, right, what is Nick Foles going to cost us? What is Marcus Mariota going to cost us in a contract year? Let's go out and let's find someone who could actually run the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I would too. I, oh, I'd have done it three weeks ago. I think the problem <laughs> yeah, now fair. is that they're, they're so far behind the, the eight ball in that division. I mean, the Vikings... We'll talk about the Packers in a second, but the, the Vikings, to me, look like the best team in that division. I think they're the next best team to the Saints in the NFC. Um, so it's a struggle, Will isn't you it? stop you know, disrespecting you thought... the San Francisco 49ers? At the 49ers, it's just assumed that they're up there, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, I, think the, I, think the, <laughs> I think the three best teams in the conference are... Ah, uh, the Saints, the 49ers and the Vikings. I mean, but, that's, that is ridiculous, by the way. It should never have been... Going into the season, I could never have expected even that. So I am just joking about the 49ers thing. But yeah. No, it's, enjoy it, buddy. And and to be fair, the 49ers are the team who were the youngest and will be better over the, longest, long, over the longer term. So that's what you should be really excited about. But the the, the reality is that the Bears have just left it too late. And it's interesting because I've got Cardinals fans chirping at me on a weekly basis <laughs> at the moment about Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, despite the fact that the, I think I've tallied up that there'd be three teams with a combined 3-15 and 15 record on the season by a combined 10 points. So let's not get too excited, lads. And, but, and the tie against the Lions, whilst it was a good comeback, was a little on the fluky side. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the reality is that the point I made... On, on Kingsbury, and it, it applies to Nagy's. You know, Matt Nagy was coach of the year last year, but as a general rule, particularly offensive coaches, will be better in their first year because it's a new scheme. I get that he's from the Andy Reid school, but so you can you can get a bait on him, but it's the first time he's implementing his own thing completely. And 
as a general rule, it takes time for teams to catch up for that. To that, you start to see them do it at the end of the season, and then the next year, it's about are you able to go away, reinvent it again, like Andy Reid does every single year and does a great job of it, and then go again. And they haven't done that, the Bears. And I mean, Nagy's play calling is is atrocious um, in terms of the the balance between run and pass. You know, New England will sometimes throw the ball forty times a game, but they've got Tom Brady a quarterback. You know, if you haven't, then you need to have the balance. And 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 I would say the strength of that Bears offense is their running game. I mean, not the running game, but their running backs. Actually, I should say. And yeah, I mean, it just looks disastrous. And 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 it's reached the point where I think I genuinely think the defense has give has given up. I mean, you know, they were so good for the first few weeks, but when you've got that. Absolute ineptitude on the other side of the ball. I mean, how do you not? I I do think I think coming out of London, that was such a devastating way to lose a game that I can see exactly why you would feel a little bit downtrodden after that. So it's it's a perfectly valid point. And like I say, in a in a already busy trade market, that would be something I would be seriously seriously looking at if I'm the Bears. Even though, like you say, it probably should have come a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned the Minnesota Vikings, forty two thirty winners over the Detroit Lions, now up to five and two, and. You know, the Lions, for as much as a team we were very positive on when they were 2-0-1, have now lost three on the bounce, and I think they're coming very much back to the mean of where they probably should be as a team in terms of their talent, even though I, I think uh, Patricia is coaching them really hard. The Vikings, however, I joked around week five that Kirk Cousins always seems to have a bad three or four game stretch in him every season. Maybe he's already had it right at the beginning of the year and he'll turn it around. Ten touchdowns to one interception since that awful performance against the Bears. He's gone back-to-back games with 300-plus passing yards and four scores. He's got a running back who's having an all-pro like level season. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 142 yards, two touchdowns. A ridiculous day for Stefan Diggs after Adam Thielen went out with the hamstring injury. By the way, the throw and catch, both the quality of the throw and the catch itself for the Thielen touchdown, which led to the injury, were absolutely unbelievable. It's a Vikings team who we already know they've got a, a good to great defence, with which is well coached. If the offence can continue this kind of streak, I think you're right, they should be considered up in amongst the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, I mean... I'd- this offense is so much fun to watch when it clicks, and it clicks based on the the success of the running game. You know, it's a run based offense, but it's everything that the run creates that makes the offense so special in terms of the play action pass. And, and when you get that mix of the stretch run that Cal, that, that Dalvin Cook's executing, and then the deep play action game, it, it's really difficult to stop because you you were really challenged at both levels of the defense, and. We've seen it so for so many years since since Mike Shanahan first unleashed it fully in Denver, and and it's just perfect for Kirk Cousins as well. You know, like I said a, a few weeks ago, the Shanahan's drafted him for a reason because he fits this system. I still think the Vikings are gonna are gonna be in a different type of game when they play the likes of the Saints, who are gonna be able to to shut down the running game with a lighter box than other teams, and therefore you know nullify a lot of the play action shots off the back of it, but. Yeah, I mean, for now, I, I, I just think they're the best team in that division because I think that the Packers' defence has come back down to earth a little bit since the start of the season. Um, I'll be interested to get your view on that game in, in a bit. But yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, um, a real star's emerging. Eric Kendricks is playing great football at mm-hmm. middle linebacker for the uh, for the Vikings. Um, I 
watched that game really closely on Sunday. I've then watched it back. He's all over the field. And, you know, we think of Anthony Barr as maybe the guy in the middle of that defence who who brings it all together. But Kendricks is playing really nicely. There was, there the was, there was one turnover. I can't remember which one it was, but where it was Kendricks and Smith in on the cha- in on the tackle when the ball came out. I think I can't. Re- I think it was a fumble after it was caught by the receiver. But I just remember the ground that Kendricks covered to get in and make that tackle was just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. He's just all over the field and. And and yeah, I mean, I I just think the Vikings. I thought before the season that that Kubiak and and that system would change the whole game for the Vikings. And they had a slow start, but they're five and two now. Um, I think they've got Washington this week, so they're going to be six and two. Um, yeah, I think the Vikings are really good and potentially will get out into the mix for the the number one or number two seed in the conference. Let's talk about the Packers while we stick in the NFC North because um, uh, it was for them the kind of the excitement of this performance is that for the last two games actually because I think people look at this game and they'll go oh Aaron Rodgers has suddenly turned up he actually had a really good game against the Lions on Monday Night Football it didn't necessarily show up in the box score but he put together some really good drives and they had some rather bizarre turnovers and and bad play in the red zone and that kind of thing but the way that it came together on Sunday, and obviously the stat lines look incredible with the 400-plus yards, five passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, but doing it without Devontae Adams, doing it with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who came in with an, an injury, had a good day thanks to the one really big long touchdown, but actually was limited in terms of his snaps through the game. It just it came together finally. It's whether or not this is an a great performance against an outlier defence that is still lacking in talent, or whether this is what this offence can look like when Lafleur Rogers comes together and works? Yeah, I mean, the the big thing for the Packers is their offensive line is brilliant. I yeah. mean, it really is. And when the Raiders' pass rush is by no means... I mean, it might be the worst in the NFL. It's interesting. The Raiders ultimately have the least talented defence in football, in my opinion. Um, So it's difficult to read too much into it because it's been masked by how well the Raiders are playing on offence. And the the Raiders were great on offence in this game as well. 14 points doesn't tell the story. I mean, there was a a fumble through the end zone, which I know you hate as a rule, but it was just ludicrous from Derek Carr. Yeah, to be be clear on the fumble through the end zone thing, I, I, I I do feel like it's a bad rule in general, but when it comes on a play where the quarterback is stretching out on a play where they don't need to be, like that was a stupid play. He kind of deserves to be punished for that i hate the rule in general but for that one i was like i'm not gonna go on twitter and bag the drum about how much i hate this rule because there because because cars made a mistake there yeah absolutely and and there's that one the, there was a fourth and one stuff on the goal line and and actually the car fumble was a 14 point swing because they, they both missed out on that touchdown and then the packers scored a touchdown in the final minute that it had to take a more time off the clock probably doesn't happen this game could actually have been really close i mean it's one of them where you look at the box score and think wow that was a massive blow but it, it really wasn't that on the field um so the packers interest me because it just feels like they find ways to win games. And I'm, I'm not sure whether that's that's something that I should praise, which is the way I would usually think. Or whether the worry for me is that they find ways to win games in 
you know, it feels like in this game, the Raiders' defence was so bad. And then in other games, when the Packers' offence is bad, they go up against a bad offence. And, and and at what point do you say, well, actually, that's just the Packers. That's just a good football team. And, and I'm kind of getting there, but I, I still... I still really am waiting for them to be exposed. And I'm not sure that they necessarily will be in the regular season because, you know, they've caught a massive break again with Mahomes lately being out this week. So it's interesting. I think the Vikings I still think- on a neutral field would beat the Packers 10 different ways. I really do. Because the worry for me is Green Bay's defence looked so good at the start of the season. And I think it's massively come down to earth since then. I mean, John Gruden's game plan in this game, again, was sensational. I mean, the amount of times he gets these tight ends. And Darren Waller is, looks an exceptional talent. But the amount of times he gets them wide open down the field in every game. And you, the clever scheming, the running game's going with Josh Jacobs. And, and really, if you take out the stupid mistakes, the Raiders offensively had control of this game. So... It's it's a really interesting. I'm interested to get your take on the Packers and everyone's take because I just go back and forth. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as their record. But at what point do you say, well, actually, they keep winning these games, and you've got to credit them for that? I don't think they're. I'm not as far off them being as as good as as it seems like you are. I think that you look at the defense this weekend, and whilst they were, I'm not, bend don't break is the wrong phrase because had. Card not made that stupid mistake, then it would have been very much closer to break than it was bend. But they had some brilliant individual performances. I still think Zadarius and Preston Smith have turned into, you know, they, the way that they have figured out and schemed them as a pass rush tandem very early on has been very impressive. Blake Martinez had a brilliant game this weekend with 16 solo tackles. You had uh, Adrian Amos had a good game, eight tackles, two pass deflections. Kevin King getting the pick as well. So it's like individual performances are making up for a little bit of a maybe, maybe it's scheme. Maybe I haven't gone back and, and watched this game kind of in more depth yet, but it feels like there are they they are just getting enough out of this defense consistently. And if this was a sign of what's to come from Rogers, Lafleur, and, and their offense, particularly once Devontae Adams comes back, who, who looked like a true number one receiver the first few weeks of the season and towards the end of last season, then they might only need the defense to do enough. Like you say, they might just keep winning games. Teams worse than this Packers team have looked through the first seven weeks of the year have gone on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. absolutely. And, and, and one of the good signs this week is Rashan Gary played really well. So... You know, he's their first-round pick. And if you add him into the mix with the Smiths, then you've got three viable, um, well, not just pass rushers, but just good defensive linemen there. So, so yeah, I mean, well, outside linebackers, defensive linemen, whichever way you want to term them. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I think Rodgers has looked a lot better since that Thursday night game. You know, he's been really, really good the last few weeks. And, and, and impressive to see him do it with the other guys and not Devontae Adams and things like that. But by the same account, I mean, I just don't read too much into this performance because the, the Raiders' defence, it, it's well coached, but the lack of talent. I mean, I can't think of a, I can't think of a single player on that defence who I think is anything close to even the very good tier. They've got some young players like Mohurst who I like, but, I mean, can you name a player on that defence who 
you think is you know very good to elite. I mean, it's it's really talent poor, and 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 that's what we expect. You know, well, the Raiders have, have rebuilt it. One thing that um, that we haven't talked about uh, as of yet at this point is that uh, they have uh, they've moved on from uh, Gary and Conley as well. Yeah, um, he's been traded away uh, for uh, <laughs> well, he was traded away to the Texans. Was it for the same pick that they got for Jadavian Clowney? Which Ooh, would be, possibly. which would be pretty. Like, I mean, in terms of, I, mean, the, the, I know the, Gary the Conley's young, so... and it's a position that they need help in. And Whitney Merciless has stepped up in Clowney's absence. There's lots of things, to, reasons to say it's not a terrible trade. But if you just look at that on the very basics, and contracts is obviously a huge part of it as well. But if you just look at it as the very basic Jadavian Clowney, Gary and Conley axis, it doesn't look like a great set of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, the, the Texans are, are more all-in than any team I've ever seen, which which is interesting given that a team in their own division appear to have their number, which is, I guess, a game that we'll talk about now. You know, I, I, for me, the Colts just have the better of them. And, and that is a real, real concern because if you're not going to win your division, which... Now, I mean, I get that the next game will be at home, but the Colts won in Houston in the playoffs last year, lest, lest we forget. I'm aware that Andrew Luck was there, but I don't think this, this Colts team is, has taken any step back without Andrew Luck, to be honest. And that's a, an incredible thing to say about Frank Reich. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a big concern, isn't it? You know, they are all in on this season. They've got no first-round pick this year or next year. And you, if it doesn't work this year, you've got to be a little bit worried, I think. Do you want me to tell you what actually made me much angrier this weekend than the fumble out of the back of the end zone rule? Absolutely. The in-the-grasp rule. Did you see this play with uh, with Deshaun Watson? Yeah. An unbelievable play from him uh, to find, uh, I think it was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, in the end zone after a play broke down. And literally just as the ball was about to leave his hand, they blew the whistle to 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 blow the play dead because a player had themselves wrapped around his, his waist and towards his legs. But he hadn't been stopped. He wasn't immobile. He wasn't down in any way, shape or form. And I understand that there is a huge focus on protecting players full stop, but particularly protecting the quarterback. But that turned what was a touchdown into a field goal in a game that was incredibly tight, in a game that in the end was decided on the... Uh, on the, the game-winning interception to kill the game when the Texans maybe could have got back and tied things up. If they're in a situation where they've scored a touchdown, they're suddenly only needing a field goal. I know it's all kind of extrapolating from one incident, but it just was another occasion where I didn't understand why we're bl- blowing plays dead before we've seen them out, when actually in the light of replays and everything else, I didn't see that he was in any immediate danger, so it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it takes away some of the magic of the NFL, doesn't it? I mean, it's a shame they weren't so quick on the whistle in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 42 when Eli Manning was in a Patriots player's crash. That one will always hurt me. <laughs> um, it's a great example, though. Look at what happened yeah, there. Is. Like, that's a fantastic example and one I'm sure that you replay in your mind in your dreams every night. That's yeah. what can happen. And we're talking about Eli Manning there. We're not talking about someone like Deshaun Watson, who consistently behind an offensive line, which is improved, but still not great, is the showing himself to be brilliant at extending plays and brilliant at making things happen. And it just, like you say, ma- taking away from the magic of the NFL is exactly what it is. It's, it ruins 
potentially highlight plays that we should be talking about come the end of the year. Yeah, it does. I mean, the exciting part for me, though, on on the other element of this game is I could watch this game every week. Yeah. You know, it was a, yeah. it was a really, really fun game um, between two really good teams, two quarterbacks who were who were really interesting and quite similar in style. Um yeah, I just I just massively enjoyed the game, and I should say that like th- this wasn't like the playoff game last year. Uh, the Texans were in it. I thought that the game turned on players like the one you mentioned, and, and Will Fuller getting injured. You know that, mm-hmm. and it's the story of Will Fuller's career. You know he did have them drops against Kansas City, but he really makes that offense go because you think about it, you've got now you've got your possession slot receiver in Stills, then you've got your possession outside guy in in New Hopkins, who can do everything. I mean, he was amazing again in this game. But then you, Fuller really stretches the field and opens up those crosses across the middle to those guys. And and the Texans have been a much worse team when Fuller's been out. So hopefully, even if he's out for a few weeks, to get him back towards the end of the season. Because I think he's a massive part of that offense. And then that opens up a, a running game that's been a, a, a an under-the-radar storyline with Carlos Hyde, who's been very good. And Listen, I, I love this game. I, I, I think this is... I mean, where do we rank the AFC teams at the moment? You, obviously, New England number one. Then I think you've got Kansas City, Houston, Indianapolis and Baltimore. And, and Biff, Buffalo. I mean, that, that, there's your playoffs in the AFC. I'd be stunned if that wasn't the playoff mix. And actually, when you start piecing together the matchups in the AFC, all of those games are interesting to me. The, the, from the Colts' perspective, it, getting back healthy again is obviously massive for them. T.Y. Hilton had a big day. Uh, Eric Ebron had a big day. But I mentioned the game-winning interception. Darius Leonard was unbelievable on Sunday and after his well he was was defensive rookie of the year last year right he must have been uh then I think he was yeah yeah, I I can't see who else it would have been he was unbelievable again this weekend and between that and having really good performances I thought Rocky Sin had a really good game uh between like Danny Corey as well on the defensive line is a really mm -hmm. good player for them Mm-hmm. So, you know what, this, that, this Colts team are not one to sleep on. I think a lot of people maybe were a little bit before Sunday and this was a bit of a statement win for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, the general manager has done as good a job there as any in the last three years. I mean, because that defence is is really pieced together from a lot of guys who who other teams have given up on. It's very, very Patriots-like in many ways. And, and yeah, super impressed with that, with both the... I mean, I'd be so excited now if I was a Colts fan. I'm aware that Andrew Luck was 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 a big disappointment. But if you look at what your GM and Chris Ballard has done and what you, the head coach that you stumbled into, like, I think Josh McDaniels would have been great. But that Frank Reich scenario now, he is getting better and better. I think he's... I, I've just done a piece for the game programme. I think he's... 14 and 3 since starting 1 and 5 including the playoffs right yeah that's I mean, that's amazing a, that's that that's outstanding isn't it you know since he since he kind of found his feet he has been exceptional uh, games we're not going to talk too much about. I'll just gloss over them quickly. The Jags 27-10 win over the Bengals. Um, you know, good comeback from Minshew after a rough start. Andy Dalton with three consecutive interceptions. Uh, for a Bengals the offense that actually showed a bit of intrigue very early in the season, unfortunately, I'm not sure it, he could be there for a huge amount longer. The Cardinals 27-21 win over the Giants. We mentioned it briefly. Uh, you know, there were bits to, to enjoy. It was an enjoyable game, but it 
it was an enjoyable game between two teams who I'm sure will find more relevant occasions to talk about them. Chandler Jones feasted upon his old teammate, Nate Solder. Absolutely. <laughs> there was some, ser- some serious Jones-on-Jones Jones violence, as uh, as I think it was described on Red Zone uh, this weekend. Um the so the option is: Do we want to ping back to the uh, ping back to the NFC, or you mentioned the uh, the teams who are in that AFC race for the playoff positions? There's a few in here we need to talk about. In fact, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills 31-21 win over the Miami Dolphins, and to say that to get the performances of the last two weeks out of this Dolphins side that are so talent poor that are so doing everything they can to lose games from a front office perspective. I think Brian Flores is having an unbelievable last couple of weeks. And coach of the year? If he... <laughs> <laughs> if the win two games, it's coach of the year. What's amazing about that is I literally was thinking about the show on the way in on the train and I went, if he wins two games this year, is he coach of the year? <laughs> <laughs> you and Ollie might be pallet twins, but you and I, buddy, on that wavelength. Um, but the Bills continue rolling 5-1, and one, and actually Josh Allen, uh, he had a couple of really, really good drives in this game. He's the most ridiculously up-and-down quarterback in the league. But I just think the most interesting thing to me about this game was that the Dolphins were right in it, right in it, and could have probably won it. Yeah, the, yeah I mean... I- when when me and you were chatting about secret superstars in the NFL, um, I said Matt Milano um, for the Bills, who didn't play in this game, and I thought it made a massive difference. Um, Milano doesn't grade out well in like PFF and stuff like that, but when I watch their games, he he jumps off the screen to me and is clearly an important part of that defense. Um, so I thought I thought that was a, a blow for the Bills, and I'm, I'm not sure what is it. I didn't check what his injury status was, but they need to get him back on the field because. I think that defense, so much of that defense is is about cohesion and and you know understanding each other's roles and 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 being in in the right positions. So if you if you lose a guy like that, I think it hurts the Bills. But yeah, I mean Flores the last two weeks has done a great job and and Fitzpatrick as well a quarterback that's given them a spark back. Um, a lot to like and and. If I was a Miami fan, I would be concerned if you're desperate for Tua. I mean, I've got one in mind in particular, who I know is. Um, I think that the Dolphins look a lot better than the Bengals do right now. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that they look better coached. You're actually starting to see some younger guys emerge as well. You know, we, we talk about how talent poor it is. But what it's actually doing is giving a lot of players who might not have got the chance to play long-term NFL football, a chance to build together and grow together as a unit. And I think you're starting to see the fruits of that. I mean, they're still not a good team by any stretch, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win a game or two at this point. And, and two weeks ago, I thought there was zero chance of that. So that's the the Bills-Dolphins game. I think the final game from the AFC contender... Oh, no, we, we probably... Well, do we need to talk about the Titans-Chargers? I mean, it's the most Chargers... I, I want to... I, most Chargers loss in the history the of Titans. Yeah, it's the most Chargers loss in the history of Chargers losses. Yeah, I mean we don't need to say anything about the Chargers. They're incredibly frustrating. I'll have <laughs> given up on them long ago, so I'm not bothered anymore. But um, Je- Jeffrey Simmons, who I thought was the best player in the last draft oh. um, and had knee issues, has just come back in this game, and he was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like it, it, it might be one of the best rookie performances I've ever seen in a game. He was absolutely insanely good. I mean, this is potentially Aaron Donald 2.0, Jeffrey Simmons. Like, 
Um, you know, he slipped in the draft due to injury and he had an off-field issue that the, the, the video of looks terrible, but the story of which I'm not going to go into, people can look at them themselves. You know, if there's ever mitigation for what he does, there is a... Just look into it. I can't really play social commentator on something like that. But um, that's why he slipped in the draft. But he is so good. I mean, he is going to be an absolute beast. He He's come in. He's played one game. He's had four total tackles and a sack. It was a brilliant performance. And what was amazing about it is that in one week, he's already outperformed uh, the every player at his position taken above him in that draft. So he's outperformed Quinn and Williams... He's outperformed Ed Oliver. He's outperformed Christian Wilkinson. He's outperformed Dexter Lawrence all in one game. Yeah, in, and I mean, in, in a, a draft that was meant to be all about the defensive linemen and particularly the interior yeah. guys, he has shown out in one game to be unbelievable. It's not to say those other guys haven't been good. I mean, Quinn and Williams have started to emerge for the Jets, and 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 yeah, he is just he was exceptional. I mean, it, as good a first game as I've ever seen from a player. He was so good. Yeah, I'm really glad you did mention that because I uh, I'd kind of glossed over it in my mind, but it was worth mentioning. Uh, we'll get to Sunday Night Football in a moment, but let's talk about both the Ravens and the and, and begin our kind of NFC West chat. The Ravens going to Seattle and getting a 30 to 16 win, and of course, there's a big headline in terms of you know, Russell Wilson having his roughest day of the season against that very varied Baltimore defense who like to do. I, it was why um, uh, why. Uh, why is his name completely gone from my head? Eric Weddle worked so well there because they love to do yeah, so yeah. much, just vary their coverages so much, do so many disguises that Wilson did have a rough day. And obviously there was the, the, the pick return and the fumble return and the two defensive touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson is on track for over 1,300 rushing yards this season, but a passer rating in advance of 95 as well. He is, he is Michael Vick, isn't he? I mean, he really is. I didn't. Like, I have to say, I didn't see it last year. I know he came in and he had really impressive performances, but I will hold my hands up and say that I was worried he was going to be a guy that had those performances when teams had no tape on him, and then would struggle once teams started to scheme for him. This isn't a bad Seahawks defense. It's not up to the Legion of Boom levels, but it's not a bad Seahawks defense. It doesn't lack talent. He was phenomenal this weekend. Yeah, and. And what a job they've done, that coaching staff. Like, you've seen the coaching staff in terms of offensively in San Francisco with Kaepernick. And and what I love is just philosophically, they certainly the first four weeks of the season, I thought that they tried to just have a look. Is this guy, you know, can we put him in something more traditional and just focus on the passing game? It works when they play terrible teams in the opening two weeks. Then they come back to earth and then... We've seen this cycle now of the last few weeks of saying, well, actually, no, this is what he's good at. So let's focus on these elements of our offense. I mean, the guy is so fast. If It's easy to say, keep him in the pocket and, 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 and discipline your rush. But if he beats one man, he's gone. That's how fast he is. So he's just so good. I mean, I just hope he doesn't get hurt because that could be the only thing that derails it. Um, and then the secondary point that you made was an interesting one. You know, I said at the start of the season that Weddle was a big loss and it would take them some time. But you're starting to see Earl Thomas now get more comfortable in that mm-hmm. scheme. And I think the secondary is improving because of that. And then the Marcus Peters element we see in this game, which is what I said, if you don't think your secondary is going to be 
that good, then Peters is perfect because he will do get do things like he did in this game, which is get a key, pick six, and you go on and you win the game. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Ravens and a lot to like. I mean, I've always thought John Harbour is, the, is probably the second or third best coach in the NFL. I mean, I've believed that for years. I've seen him out-coach Bill Belichick more than any coach in the league. Um and I believe that again. I, I really like what the Ravens are building. And they, they will be a team that would terrify me in, in January, even if they come into Foxborough. I think they're, I think they're really, really dangerous. Um, I think the Patriots' defence would give them problems, but I could just see them I could see them winning the Super Bowl. I really could because they've got every, everything in place to, to do it. There were, there were, because as much as we're talking about the runs and how fast he is and how impressive it was, I do, I do want to say as well, there were some unbelievable throws in this game. Okay, he's never going to have, a, you know, it was nine for 20, 143 yards, nothing to get too excited about. But there was one, the, the, um, the 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 eighty six yard drive. Well, in fact, they started on their own ten and got backed up to their own five. But the 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 drive they did that they had that put them ahead uh, when it was a 13 apiece, when they went 20 to 13 up, which really kind of started the killing off of the game. There was one 20-yard hit to Nick Boyle that got them into the red zone, where it was one of those Pat Mahomes sidearm throws, and it was just beautiful. It was just... That was really when I went, wow, that's something that I didn't necessarily know he had in his game. So I was really kind of blown away by uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson this weekend, as much as I have been by Russell Wilson at points this season. So uh, don't 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 sleep on him in that MVP race. The the person that tweeted no, not at all. MVP race this weekend. He's certainly. I mean, if if I was writing my MVP racing for the programs now, I would definitely put him in the top five and. I mean, as for Seattle, Wilson just needs to get offensive linemen back. I mean, it's just just unsustainable, isn't it? With the mm-hmm. way with the way the O line situation is, they need Dwayne Brown in particular back. So, and I'm sure they'll get them back. But Seattle, to me, are a very good team who I, I just don't see getting in the Super Bowl mix because ultimately they're not talented enough. Here's I mean, the here's the good news for them. Before they have to go to San Francisco on that Monday night football in three weeks' time, which I cannot wait for, my mate, uh, my mate, who's the, the kind of big Seahawks fan I know down here in London, has taken the Tuesday off work so that we can stay up and watch. Yeah, it that's together. a good move, and I cannot wait. But before that, they get to go to Atlanta to face the Falcons, and then they get the Buccaneers at home. So yes, it was a tough loss this weekend. But don't worry, you've got basically two gimmies before you have to come to San Francisco. Uh, Plenty of time to get healthy. (laughs) Um, On the San Francisco 49ers, it's a weird game to be able to talk about because I I think actually the first thing I'd say is that Washington weren't terrible in a game that was, you know, a tough game to, to be either good or bad and if you know what I mean they they ran the ball reasonably well in really tough conditions Adrian Peterson I know they had the fumble but other than that Peterson managed to to make up some really really tough yards against what we know is a really good defensive front but again they got to the quarterback just far too often for the for Washington to ever truly get into the game and they did just about enough to get through and in in such weird conditions on the road going east coast I'll be looking back on the year and I won't be saying to myself, oh, but we did have that one game where we didn't look too great against Washington. It's not going to enter my mind, but it was really good fun to watch. Yeah, it was. It it was a good throwback game, wasn't it? You know, it's 1920s football. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed that element myself. Um, I think it's the kind of win that that helps a team. Um, I think they'll look back at that and 
you know, you're winning those circumstances, something a little bit different. It, stuff like that can generally bring teams together a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot to love. I, mean, I thought, I thought, you know, Nick Bolsa got a lot of praise and was very, very good again. But Eric Armstead is just a beast at the moment. I mean, there, there is not a single weakness across that defensive line. And and yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers are really good. What, what I love at the moment is how many of these great teams have great defences. I just mm-hmm. think defence is, is back like in in a big big way. I mean, I look at the best teams in football at the moment, and and even the Saints. I think that that their, their biggest calling card is defense, and and I and I, and I enjoy that element because for me, we'd we'd lost that a little bit in in previous seasons. Uh, I, I naturally I should go to the Rams off the back of that because we're talking NFC West, but uh, I will because we're talking about defenses being the the feature of a team. Talk about the Sunday Night Football clash in the uh, in the NFC East because. Okay, when you put 37 points up and when you get the health of Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins back, it was a good offensive performance from the Cowboys this weekend. But man, did they shut Philadelphia down in that 37-10 to 10 win. It, honestly, from about... We obviously we had the game live on TalkSport 2. I did it, came in and did it on Sunday night off the back of the stag do I was on this weekend. And yes, I felt incredibly rough throughout. Honestly, from about... Midway through the second quarter, it just never felt like they were going to come back into this game at all. No, I mean, they're just listless, aren't they? Which is everything that the Eagles haven't been the last couple of years. Um, when, they, would, when, they, when they got it to 14-7, they had that one really good drive to come back after the two turnovers and the two early scores. I thought, right, game on here. Philly looked good. That was a great offensive drive, helped by two massive penalties. That's the thing. They were helped by those two penalties. The indiscipline still a problem, and I still think that's a coaching issue under Garrett. But once they scored on that drive, just listless was the right word. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace for the Eagles is whether Deshaun uh, Jackson can make a difference when he comes back, because he did look really good in week one. But uh, apparently that injury is going to linger the whole year. I I think you've got to start worrying a little bit about Doug Peterson. Um, I'm not suggesting he'll get fired by any stretch, but... You know, I just have it in my mind that Frank Reich was so important in that Super Bowl season and, and, and that Peterson has been a little bit exposed since. Um, you look back at last season, they were, they were kind of similar. It was Nick Foles that rescued the season last year. It wasn't it wasn't any kind of great coach and it was a, a championship winning team rallying together behind the backup quarterback again. Um they don't have great receiving talent, which is obviously a problem, but they do have a very good offensive line. They should be able to control the game with the running game. Uh, their, their, their rush defense wasn't great at the start of this game, which is why the Cowboys got up on them. And 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 again, similar to what I was saying with the Colts-Texans, the Cowboys keep beating them, and that's a worry. I mean, they beat them at the end of last season in a game that was essentially for the division. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I just think there's, there's there's concerns, big concerns in Philadelphia. And I'm not sure we're in a very, very difficult NFC that, that they will make the playoffs if they don't win their division. In fact, I'm almost certain they won't. So. I, 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 yeah, the NFC East, if, it's, if the NFC East kicks out two playoff teams this year, I will give up my ticket to the Super Bowl. No, I will... There's got I mean, to be that's some... a ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be something ridiculous I can promise to do without having to do anything too stupid. Uh, what did I... Well, last year I wore uh, uh, I, I, I wore a right. I I offered to wear a Cowboys jersey to uh, to a game if they uh, 
if they got to the NFC Championship game, I think I said something like that, and they ended up falling at the final hurdle. So I was pretty pleased with that. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll offer up something like that. But honestly, they have to get healthy quick. They have to get. They looked the one. The secondary did look better with um, with with Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby both back. But then there were some really stupid coaching decisions from Jim Swartz. They lost a lot of players on the defensive line during the game, which that rotation is pretty key to how they play. But there was the field goal, the, the stupidly long Brett Marfield goal that he scored just before half time. And prior to that, they had about 20, 24 seconds left on the clock, I think it was somewhere around there. And they were deep in their own half. And they ended up hitting Jason Witten for back to back 12, 13 plus yard plays because Jalen Mills just played the softest coverage I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, why are you letting them get into anything like field goal range? Because we've got a guy who's been able, who's just hit one from 62 yards last weekend, hit one from 62 yards the week, uh, in week 14, I think it was of last season. And now he's gone and hit a 63 yarder on you because you've gone and done something stupid like that. That's what kind of frustrated me from this game. It's just that every opportunity they ever had, they never took advantage of it. I, 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 I think the Eagles might. Honestly, I don't want to call their season done when they're one behind 500. But if there's no major injuries to this Cowboys team, there's no way that they shouldn't be winning the NFC East. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys shouldn't be shouldn't be three and three. I mean we're four and three now. Sorry, I mean you think about that Jets loss after what we saw last night, and it's just comedy hour, isn't it? But um, oh, I think oh, one so good one. What's, what's Robert Quinn doing? Being amazing at football again? Yeah, no. But although the, the the key talking point for the Cowboys in this game is how good Demarcus Lawrence was, you know, he coming off an off season injury, really good for to see him back to his back to his very very best, and and that'll make a, a huge difference for them for them moving forward. And also Doug Peterson, as well as everything else I've said, do not guarantee victories in games and then lose this badly. It's not a good one. The, um, the the final game of the weekend then, the Rams 37-10 win over the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, the Falcons, uh, we're already seeing with moving Mohamed Sanu on. I don't think that'll be the first, the last player they trade away as long as they get something reasonable for the other guys on their team that they could move on from. Uh, just looked absolutely anemic. Coaching-wise were poor. When they, I know they lost Matt Ryan in this game, but people are like, ah, oh, they lost Matt Ryan in this game. That happened a lot earlier, a lot later in the game than uh, at a point where it already looked like they were almost guaranteed losing. People were kind of acting like that was the big reason that they, they struggled. Obviously, a big talking point is how Jalen Ramsey performed in his first game. Uh, and it was very much... It was up and down because he had... The big splash plays, and uh, he had uh, he had two. I think it was there were two. Uh, he, he covered Julio Jones for the game, and he was in no way a shutdown corner. Julio Jones had about six catches uh, off him when he was covering him, including two big big gains. But then he also made a couple of really good plays, and you know you forget that he forced the fumble out. You forget that he is a <laughs> as much as I hated the trade. A, a class talent who given some time to get used to the scheme how good he looked after only three days there was pretty good um, yeah I thought I thought he was he was really bad actually um, I, I didn't think there was any I thought he was I thought he was poor I mean I watched I watched it quite closely yesterday um, I didn't so he, he allowed so he allowed, he allowed three receptions for 69 yards to to Julio Jones and two of those were bad but he also made the way well, he made the, the the massive fumble play and I thought he had three or four of the really good 
moments where he yeah i mean some but i would say there was there was also multiple examples of 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 guys being open who he was covering i, I just didn't think he played that well i mean I, I, he will play well i'm not suggesting for one minute he won't he'll be he'll be brilliant he's one of the best cornerbacks in in the league i just didn't think he i thought julio exposed him a lot in the game um for, for me i guess I, it's, I think the, I, i'm taking it with the context of three Days in the building, new scheme, yeah, new coordinator, oh, yeah, going up against the best receiver in football on his, you know, I'd probably yeah. say the most talented all-round receiver in football, uh, or the, certainly the, the guy who has the most different facets to his game. Yeah, I, I, so I would take it all that into context. That's why I'm giving him praise. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. The other element is I, I, I don't understand why teams put their number one, the, the, these number one corners on the best receiver. I just think it's stupid. I mean, there's a reason New England never do it. You you, you know, double you double the best receiver, double the number one, and then you yeah, put why, your best guy you... on the number two. It's it's we've it's, seen it from good teams the last two or three years consistently, and it's worked really it's, well. Football isn't a penis measuring contest, is it? It's a trying to win the game. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I I never understand why teams do that. It's it I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, one guy on the Rams who's played really well this year is um, the pass rusher from Jacksonville who the trader for Dante Fowler. Fowler yeah. um, they've really they've, that's the reclamation project that's really working out. Um, they I, I never thought that he would become the edge rusher that he threatened to be in that draft, but he's played really well this year. So that's a that's a really nice sign for the Rams, I think. Good old son of bum. Uh, I think that rounds everything off for us. We'll obviously have a... We've got an NFL 100 show coming this week. What have we got coming up, Shazar? Uh, we're looking back at Super Bowl one this week. Um, we are, I think we've organised an interview with the, the man who organised the game. So, you know, we, we'll have some insights from players who were on the field, but I think in the main we want to just kind of reveal how how the first Super Bowl is so different to what we see now and just how this thing came together in a matter of weeks and was a little bit shambolic, truthfully. So, yeah, that's the NFL 100 show this week. Superb. And then we'll have a, a weekend preview where we'll be speaking with members of the Bengals and Rams ahead of their game at Wembley this Sunday. Obviously, you'll be able to hear me as part of the team on Wembley on Sunday if you listen live on TalkSport 2 and go to Gridiron for all the best social content at UK Gridiron, at Gridiron on Twitter. Uh, UK Gridiron is Instagram. I think I'm going to be hooking up with um, Josh to do some stuff on Friday at the, with the teams by the sounds of it so we'll have some cool stuff coming out videos etc from there as well uh, loads of great stuff coming up for you uh, rate, review, all that lovely good stuff please, give us a follow give us some love, we do really appreciate it uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with the NFL 100 show, uh, we always used to look forward to Thursday Night Football on this show and I always forget to do it now I can't even remember what it is this week I mean it's, it's I'm pretty sure it's Vigans Redskins so Oh, yeah, well, there we go. Vikings win. Well done, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now.